Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. This in-season edition of the Philacrosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on custom timepieces that commemorate life's greatest achievements. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is best known for being the goalie that was dunked on by Gary Gate in the Air Gate in that 1988 Final Four game. Oxia makes beautiful Swiss-made self-winding watches whose design and quality match the essence of the memories they represent. Andy and I can attest to the quality. We each own a Brown University Oxia watch and it's pretty much the nicest thing we own. One of Oxia's specialties is creating timepieces to celebrate storied team or championship victories. Check out the 2021 UVA National Championship watches or the Cornell lacrosse team watches we created last year. You should really see the University of Georgia football team national championship watches or the Deerfield Academy lacrosse team watch to commemorate their national championship in 2021. New for this season, Oxia is creating All-American watches to celebrate the student athletes that earn this incredible achievement. They've designed unique timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. If you want a custom watch to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments, Check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the in-season podcast with me and PLL head coach, Andy Towers. AT, how's it going today, man? Uh, it's going very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, too. So you're, you're not just above average today. You're actually even better than that. Well, you asked me how I was, you know, how it's how it's going, um, which is slightly different than. All right, so how are you doing? I'm above average. At what point does above average every time become average? That's a question we asked last week. Um, I don't know, but probably when it's more than five and considering this is our third podcast of 2022, I'll have to adjust my grading um, over the course of the next few weeks so that it accurately represents how I'm doing. <laughs> and um, give me the update on the weekend. You, did you have a good one? Uh, I did. They um, had a really good one. Um, James had a game Friday afternoon. They won, beat a good Ridgefield freshman team, seven to two or eight to two, something like that. And his varsity team uh, had a great W over Glastonbury, up in Glastonbury, just not right around the corner. But it did remind me of the <laughs> time when we would drive into that parking lot, you know, at 6.58 for a 7 o'clock face-off in the Hartford tournament years. And we would play, you know, five, six games. And we didn't think twice about it never had any water, never really ate anything ever. No. And just somehow felt fine the whole time. And uh, those days are now like long gone. Everybody is so concerned with drinking enough water and 
you know, hydrating, snack, hydrating and stretch. Like, oh, I didn't ever stretch ever. We just got out of the car, put our stuff on and went out there. You know, well, we got, actually had 10 of us in the car. We had enough for a team. Well, the bum, you know, we had nine in the car and the bum was on the outside of the car. Um, but I'll tell you, no one played harder than the bum. Nobody played harder than the bum. Nobody played harder than the bum. And, uh, and the bum could do it forever. He, yeah, you know, that was very, he was a hard worker, the bum. Well, he doesn't know where his next meal's coming from. <laughs> it's a lot of, you know, you really got to buckle down, you know, but we got, we got all 110% out of the bum 110% of the time, regardless of the landscape. In the old silver Volvo. Uh, yeah, that was a, quite a vehicle. Mitchell spent some time in there traveling around Providence in that thing. You know, it smelled a little like Mitchell. <laughs> That's not what we took to the dead show, was it? What would we took to the dead show? Uh, we took the, um, the uh, Nissan Maxima. Yeah, it was very small. It that was, was me. I think there were six of us. That was me, you, Snake, the bum, bum. NR, and Vic. And Gamino. Oh, so I don't know if Vic came. It was you. Yeah, Vic came. What? Vic definitely came. So it was you, me, Vic, Snake, Gamino. Pretty sure. And NR. NR was in the car. I don't remember NR being there, but I believe you. NR was in the car. I, I don't know. Did the bum? Maybe the bum didn't go. It was like. Well, the bum definitely went. Well, I thought the bum went. Maybe there were seven of us in the Nissan Maximum. It could have been. It was a tight squeeze. Are you positive Camino went? I don't think Camino went on that trip. Camino went on the trip up to your wedding. All right. And that was me, Smeals. It's possible I've got him confused. Camino. I don't think Camino went on that trip. I, it I doesn't remember. make sense that he would be on that trip because he would have already graduated. By well, he would have fit in great, though. He would have fit in great. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that that was um, that was one memorable. Can you tell me what shirt Peter Smith was wearing at the Dead Show? No. The Oakland Raiders shirt. I thought that was so comical. <laughs> So he loved he loved airing it out like uh, the snake stabler that was where the snake's name came from snake stabler yeah well snake had one of the all-time greatest quotes that i cannot repeat on this show but it was tell the i others. remember I, I remember very well does it stay does it start with tell the others tell the others yes. yeah I, I i know that statement <laughs> certainly do all right let's talk about lacrosse yeah, um so what games did you watch this weekend at uh, well, I watched the Brown Penn game start to finish. So pumped for Mike Daly and those players. Huge wins. I saw the fourth quarter. Uh, it just they, they were the better team. I mean, Penn was clearly the better team for the first quarter. Yeah. And then Brown was, without a doubt, the better team for the last three quarters. I mean, what an awesome coaching job by Mike Daly and, uh, and his staff. You know, you go down five zip to a really scary team in general, but also really a scary offense with a really good goalie. Um, and they just, they had an uptick in intensity that ended up with them seemingly getting every single ground ball, every 50-50 situation they seemed to win. They seemed to shoot smart. You know, they got some great stops on defense. It looked like Sam Hanley was starting to press a little bit, you know, yeah. some things I haven't seen out of him yeah. uh, ever, you know, and I know that he tore it up as a freshman, you know, played a, a, a few games before he got 
you know, hurt or sick um, the next year. And then, and then there was the COVID year. And then this year he started out on attack, started a little slow and then really started to explode, you know, sort of in games like, you know, three, four and five for them. Um, but the last couple of games, you know, we started to force it a little bit against Yale and it led to some turnovers, but this game, particularly in, in the second half, he forced the ball in some critical situations. And, and that's not something that I've seen out of him. And I still stand by uh, that he is absolutely the best midfielder in the country, but that was a part of him that I had not seen before. And he's such a great passer. You know, he, he's, he's, he's probably the best midfield passer since Tommy Schreiber. Um, you know, he, he can do it with both hands. He can do it off the, off the splits, obviously with time and space. He does play with some great shooters, you know, who, who can knock down those shots from, from 10 and 10 and 12 and 12, but he really is a good passer, but he, he made some, he forced some plays down the stretch of that game that, that helped Brown seal it. So I watched that game. Uh, I watched uh, some Carolina, Virginia, not a lot of it, uh, but because I was driving up to James's game up in Glastonbury, but I watched that, um, you know, a little bit of Maryland Duke, not too much. I'm in Maryland Rutgers, not too much. Um, you know, I watched some of that Jacksonville uh, Richmond. I watched, uh, I, I, I watched, I watched a lot of it, but, but, but not all of them. Going back to the um, Brown pen. Brown, I watched oh, you did? I wanted to ask you about that. Brown did a great job playing some zone against Penn too. And that, that almost made them a little bit more one dimensional. They put the short stick out top and the ball just kind of sat up there and didn't move all that much. And if you recall back when um, Hanley was a freshman, they had, uh, who was that Ridgefield kid that, that attacked in that lefty. Oh yeah. The lefty attackman was very, very good. Sick. Uh, yeah. I mean, like my opinion was the best player on that team, even though Hanley probably got the on the Chrome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was his name? It's crazy how like these guys are just right at the forefront of your mind. And then, you know, a year or two later, you can't even remember who they are anymore. I mean, it really is nuts. Yeah. That uh, I, can't, I can't remember that kid's name, but he was, he was, he was very, very good. I just feel like there was a couple other guys um, that, you know, took a little bit of the pressure off and, and just made it easier for a guy like Hanley just to move the ball. And when he's trying to win the game, like you said, maybe he was pressing a little bit, but I think, but I think Brown's coaching in the zone um, was, was part of it too. Uh, there's no question. And, and the, the uptick and the, the pace of play was so impressive for Brown and defensively, you know, between the lines, hunting right. transition, you know, they wrote uh, it back a couple times in the fourth quarter at critical times at the end of the game, they wrote it back like twice in a row too. Yeah. I mean, they, they really did. Um, Simon Mathias is the guy that we were. Oh thinking. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, but I, I do feel like Penn has offensive balance, but we've said over the course of the last few weeks that, or at least I, I have, I, I think they're good at the X. I don't think they're great. You know, I wouldn't put their face-off group in the top 10 by any means. They might not even be in the top 15. I also think Birkinshaw is good, but I don't think their defense is great. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you win some face-offs, you can you can score goals on this team and if your best player is, is forcing passes down the stretch you know it sort of compounds the problem and 
sure enough, Brown was able to ride, uh, you know, that uptick in intensity and, and, and use that to create opportunities to win the game going away. But they were the better team. And now you look at what happens here, and Brown has to go up to Ithaca, which is a brutal place to have to get off the bus and play at. Up to where? Up to Ithaca, Cornell. Oh, yeah. Right, they have Cornell left and Dartmouth left. But if they beat Cornell, um, you know, which could happen, I, I would say that Cornell is, you know, if I'm looking at that game and trying to put a line on the game, I'd probably put the line at like Cornell minus two and a half, probably. Um, you know, but Brown can absolutely win that game. And now they're feeling it at six and four. They're ranked 17th in the media poll. Like, you know, this this is a team that's that is at the top of believing in themselves right now. And, but, you know, they get a Cornell team that was certainly, we all anticipated would be challenged by Harvard this past weekend and, and won one after the first quarter and then 10-1 Cornell just dismantled them and really exposed Harvard's sort of lack of experience in playing in Ithaca. And, and I remember when I was a, a sophomore going up to Cornell and thinking, wow, you know, it's still freezing up here and it's so far and it just the wind on Sholkoff Stadium was so cutting and brutal and they seemed to play so fast. And it just was, you know, it's a it's a really tough place to play. I, there's no question that playing at Cornell is the toughest place to play at in the Ivy League, without a doubt. But Brown needs to get that win and then beat Dartmouth. And uh, and if Cornell beats Princeton, then I think Penn their season can be over. Yeah. Seriously. Which is crazy. That is because crazy. like, uh, honestly, they're, they, they are a team that's capable of going to the final four. You know, they've, they've got that kind of aptitude, um, but they're going to have to take care of business here in the short term. And they got Harvard and, and Dartmouth left Penn does. And then they got Albany, I believe is the last regular season game. I think that, I think that Penn has to win the Ivy tournament to go but maybe not you know maybe just get in there like if they play if they go into the four spot and they beat Yale and lose to say you know Princeton or Cornell in the Ivy League finals they will have wins over Yale Duke Villanova um, Cornell like they'll they'll have a lot of really good wins I mean Murphy puts together a really tough schedule the problem is that Villanova losing this weekend to Denver hurts that as a quality win. Duke really doesn't have any wins. I mean, you know, beating North Carolina and beating Syracuse this year doesn't equate to much. You know, Richmond losing to Jacksonville diminishes the, the, you know, the success of that win. And then Jacksonville, of course, beating Duke, uh, you know, I don't know. Is, is Duke going to be able to f- slip in the back door into the tournament in the third spot? Because I think that Notre Dame is going in at number two. Virginia is going to be number one. You know, if there's a third ACC team that goes, it looks like it's Duke's chance at this point. But it's really, I mean, it is, there's, there's a lot of layers to a lot of these conference battles. There are. And there's still a fair amount of matchups, you know, for example, you know, Villanova and Denver still have to still have games to play in the big East tournament. And, yeah. and um, um, who else has game? Who has, has Villanova played Georgetown yet? 
Villanova has not on April 30th. So that'll be big. And Penn State's got opportunities uh, to win some games, you know, if they, in, at least in their tournament, right? So there's that, that's that for Penn, that's an opportunity to have, you know, they have some teams that they've beaten that could win some games. They need Cornell to keep winning. They got to, they got to beat Harvard and Dartmouth and go three and three. They got to make that tournament. Well, I'll tell you right now, Penn has to make the tournament or they're done. Penn, I think, frankly, I think Penn takes care of Harvard because they got them at home and they're now, this is the playoffs for Penn. I mean, this is, this is a national playoff game for Penn versus Harvard versus Dartmouth. I even think, you know, if they lose to Albany, uh, does that knock them out? If they lose to Albany, I don't know. I mean, they really don't have a bad loss, you know, uh, I mean, Brown is their worst loss, and Brown's 17 in the country right now. I think they're going to beat Harvard. I think they're going to beat Dartmouth. Uh, St. Joe's could give them some problems. Sometimes they do. Albany, you know, which Albany team is going to show up? But I think that Brown, I think Brown is, this Harvard game is a, is a, is a, is a national playoff game for them as well as an Ivy League tournament playoff game for them. And Brown still has Yale, Cornell, Bryant, and Dartmouth left. I mean, you listen, Brown, if Brown knocks off Yale and Cornell, Penn could be in trouble too. Yeah. It's a good win, but it knocks him out of the out of the tournament, most likely. I think that I think that Yale is going to be a tough out. They're playing at a level that few teams across the country are playing at right now. I agree. I, I said I think that if I had to pick the final four right now, I would be picking Maryland, Virginia, Yale, and Georgetown. Those would be the four teams that I think stand the best chance of reaching the final four. Now, obviously it depends on where they end up in the brackets. Yeah. Um, you know, but Maryland clearly has, has separated themselves as the clear number one seed, but they could lose to Yale. They could lose to Georgetown. You know, they could lose to Virginia, even though they pounded them the way that they did. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, Yale has improved at a rate that nobody else has over the course of the month of April, let's say, 10 days or 12 days, whatever it's been. You know, you're starting to see, uh, you know, Leo Johnson has been, a, has been an awesome uh, partner in crime with Matt Brando down at Attack. And Brandi, we spoke about last week, but Leo now is starting to uh, make an impact as a playmaker, you know, as a feeder. And he is as great of a dodge and, and goal scorer as he is, you know, he is a dangerous passer. And, you know, as he starts to make an impact as a playmaker and add additional balance to this offense, they win faceoffs they can beat anybody. I love what they're doing schematically. I love the I, pieces too. Make, I love the pieces that make their schemes work, you know, and they, and they're, and they don't take any bad shots, you know, they don't. and they can also, I mean, so they're so big and strong and athletic Brandau, We keep saying he's in the top, top, uh, you know, group of nine or 10 uh, division uh, first small Americans, but that guy is impressive, man. Oh my God. His decision-making, his skills, his two-handedness, his shooting, his dodging, his feeding, everything. I mean, he is a complete player. He's a complete Um, player. And and he he steps up. He does. At the right time when they need a play, he 
he delivers every single time. You know, he just does. And Unreal. as just a junior, you know, you look at Leo as a freshman, Lions a freshman, sharp freshman. You know, th- this is a team that, <laughs> at least from the offensive standpoint, is, is still probably a year away. That's the sick part. Like, as, as dangerous as they look right now, their yeah. offense is probably a year away. Now, they're going to they're gonna miss fake, um, and they're going to lose some short stick D-mids that are good players. But, um, you know, they – they the future is really really bright for this Yale team that's playing as well as anybody in the country right they now. They are they're playing so smart and so physical and their their middies just are so athletic and they seem oh. to handle the ball so perfectly. Uh, it's unbelievable, honestly, the way they're playing. And then this you see this guy Chris Lyons. He's like six five lefty. Yeah, is that the one that yeah. the corner? Yeah, yeah six mean, goals against BU. Yeah, well, I watched that game. That BU game, I'll tell you, I couldn't have hit the nail any more squarely on the side. You know, I I predicted that Yale would uh, lose that game to BU midweek. That it was a letdown game, and I will stand by that I could not have hit the nail any more squarely on the side, and was so wrong about that. And then I know that the addendum to that statement, that prediction, was that okay, but. If Yale finds a way to beat BU and I'm wrong, then BU will go down to Princeton and they will beat them. And so come Saturday, I was watching that game and, you know, through about three quarters, you know, it was, it it seemed like it was like a one or two goal game that BU was playing them close. And, you know, I root for the Ivy League to win every game because obviously we went to Brown. I want the Ivy League to win all the games, Um, you know, but in that particular game, just to save face selfishly to be a me guy instead of a we guy, I had sort of wanted Stony Brook to beat Princeton because it would have made me correct in my prediction. But again, a hard bent nail. So all of you Yale fans and Princeton fans, um, you know, you can take me off your Christmas list. That's okay. <laughs> Josh McHugh will put you back on since you just he's the best he's the best um so uh yeah but they're they're impressive and by the way you, you mentioned that you love what they do schematically um how would you um articulate what 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 you see out of them schematically I just think they do a great job of creating offense on one side of the field and then rotating the ball to the other side and they're just so patient, you know, not, not too dissimilar to Marion, uh, to Maryland in that they, they just seemingly don't really take a bad shot very often. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll have a shot and I'll be like, Oh, there it is, you know, a 12 yard time and space shot. And they, they pass it up, throw it behind the goal. They, they bring it up to the other side and, you know, whether or not the on-ball defender takes a bad angle and they dodge past them or what, it seems like when they pass up a 10 yard time and space shot, they end up with a six yarder on the run or an eight yard of a time and space, you know, four or five passes later. It seems like Maryland does that a lot too. And, you know, that's the key to, to putting up 20 goals. I mean, what they do? They put up 45 goals last week. That's, yeah, a, that's crazy. Yeah. Although, you know, listen, they, I, I, uh, I do think they, they're smart with their shot selection, but I also think that they really when since they've started, you know, probably around eight years ago when they really started to become a dominant force in the Ivy league and the best team in the Ivy league, they began to, they began to push the envelope on, on shooting from farther out. If there was a two point line in college across, I would bet that Yale has shot as many or more two pointers and scored them 
because they they have range. I mean, that Lions could shoot. I mean, he shot some 16 yarders against. They they freaking hammer the ball and they do not hesitate. I just think they've got big kids that are very strong. And the way Andy recruits is that he's recruiting, you know, athletes based on, you know, in some ways, in, in many ways, based on their like standing broad jump, which is their and their size. And he wants big, strong, powerful kids that can literally shoot the ball harder than most. And, you know, um, they just they shoot the shit out of it with power, heat and, and some distance. Well, if the shots go in, nobody questions where they're going, being taken right. from. No it's doubt. And the goalie catches the shot that people start to question. No doubt. Whether they, whether they catch it in the air or whether they field it cleanly off the ground. You know. Totally. Um, so, um, all right, so switching gears. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Carolina-Virginia game. I was surprised at that score. But but then somebody mentioned that Carolina's face-off guys are out. Is that a fact? Yeah, so I had to listen to it as I drove up to James's game. Um, versus Glastonbury on Saturday night. And yeah, I guess Carolina was up 3-1. And then Virginia was up 6-3 at half, 7-3. And they just, you know, pulled the way, uh, outscored them something like, you know, 5-1 to one in the second half, something like that. You know, I actually thought Carolina would win the game. Um, and part of the reason I thought that they would win the game was because I didn't think Petey LaSalle would play I didn't think Matt Moore would play, uh, you know, Matt Moore didn't play, but Petey LaSala did. And ironically, Zach Tucci gets hurt. Uh, they have Trier to back him up and then he got hurt. And, you know, once you hemorrhage possessions to Virginia and give them offensive opportunities after offensive opportunities, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. And, they were that even without Matt Moore, they put up 11, you know, Matt Moore plays, they probably put up 15. That's conservative. You know, Chris Gray has his success, you know, uh, statistically, but, you know, I just feel like Carolina from an offensive end, I just, I just feel like, Again, see, and I know it's kind of cliche for anybody that is, is watching these games this season there, you know, the, the sentiment, general sentiment is they, they, you know, work too hard to get everything for Chris Gray or, or depend on Chris Gray too much. And I just feel like if that's the case, you know, maybe, maybe you're better served going to, to generate your, your slides using the two-man game. So they got four cover and four, and then they slide your four on three off ball versus, you know, off the dodge. Um, you know, I, I think that Chris Gray is a phenomenal lacrosse player. Uh, he's one of the best offensive players in the history of college lacrosse. Um, you know, but, but to ask him to have to beat a defender that's a foot taller than him, you know, Clark had mentioned it during the broadcast, you know, that was a, that's a big ask, I think, is what he said. And I agree. You know, I just, I just don't feel like that, that's the best way to, to create offense for them. I like Chris Gray off the secondary dodge. So he's in a position yep. to, you know, front side hitch or hitch and switch if they, you know, come running out to him with a poor angle. Uh, I like him as the re-dodge when he just kind of has to beat one guy. Um, you know, but to initiate the offense, that's when the defense is the most ready to play. And it means he's not going to be the guy that gets, 
the help side of the field opportunity. And I think that's where he's best, frankly. He, he, he's a great off-ball player. He's a great rider. You know, he, he's, a, he's an unbelievable scorer and he's a great passer. I just, I, I, I like him better as the secondary action more than the primary action. But that's easy for me to say, you know, I've seen, what, five games. I don't go to their practices, so I don't know. Right, right. Well, the stuff you're talking about are general principles, though. You, you, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for the defense to guard any one person if it's going to be kind of your main go-to. Last year they had, you know, a, a, a first midfield line of three fifth-year guys that were all, like, right. level players. And, it, that's and right. you know, they're missing that big time. They are. You know, I almost would say, you know, you, you could do the two-man game short to long to start the action and then throw it through the outlet, get it one more to Chris Gray. And that's where he, you know, that's where he attacks. I, I like that because I feel like teams have to make an emergency slide in those situations. Yep. And he's going to make the right pass every single time that somebody is open and a slide comes and he's going to finish off the dodge provided the slides don't get there in time. And I, I just feel like, um, that could open up some space and, you know, could give them a different look offensively, but they need to win out, you know, uh, go to Carolina's schedule. I think that they just have Syracuse. Uh, I think they play Notre Dame one more time. Do they, do they play Duke one more time? I feel like that's the case. Yeah. Syracuse, Notre Dame, Duke. So a win versus Syracuse, if they lose it, they're out. If they win it, so what? They got to beat Notre Dame and they got to be, they got to win all three. I think um, if they go two out of three there and lose to Cuse, but beat Notre Dame and Duke, marry that, marry those wins up with a win over Denver at high point. Hopkins doesn't do much for them. The Brown win uh, helps depending upon what happens to Brown. The Richmond win helps, but has lost a little bit of luster. I think they go. Um, and if they, they could, went out, they could go ahead of Duke. Uh, but they got to beat Notre Dame. They got to beat Cuse, which I think they will. Um, but they got to beat Notre Dame, and they're playing them out in South Bend. That's a tough place to play. And Notre Dame is they're on the they're on the desperate cliff as well. And I don't think they can afford to lose. Uh, but I think Notre Dame's in a good position right now. I think they're Virginia's going. I think Notre Dame's going to go. Who's going to emerge out of Duke, Carolina, and Syracuse? Well, Duke has the lead right now, but but Carolina gets another shot at big wins over Notre Dame and over Duke. And if they get both of those and take care of a Syracuse team that is on the backside of the hill, I, I think Carolina will go. There's a little bit of um, up in the air as to how Richmond finishes. You know, if Richmond wins the uh, their league, maybe all of a sudden that win becomes a top 10 win. And that that's right. A difference for them. Brown. And that, helps, and that helps Duke a lot, too. That would help Duke a lot too. And of course, Brown and Denver still have work to do with the, where they could get some big wins. I mean, the hard part is in, in within the, their own conference, they're just, they're not necessarily getting as big wins as some of the wins that they might already have that have bigger games in front of them. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Notre Dame, Duke, huge win for Notre Dame. Not surprised they won. Uh, no. I was surprised actually that it became a one goal game again. And it was like a 16, 15 ball game. I, uh, I was surprised that Duke came back yeah. and needed a game to the, the degree that they, that they did, you know, they were playing at Duke, but Notre Dame, you know, jumps out to the lead. It seemed like it was kind of that three goal cushion the whole way. 
you know, but I don't think it shows that when Duke plays well, you know, and that's kind of a subjective statement. Um, but when they play well, Duke's capable, capable of beating anybody. You know, they got, they have the players to do it. They got a great goalie in Adler. You know, Naso needs to win faceoffs. I just, my complaint with Duke over this season has been, I just, it just doesn't feel like you can see what they're trying to get offensively. You get great individual performance from McAdory, from O'Neill, and from Montgomery, uh, you know, but they just don't look like they're connected the way that Maryland looks and the way that Yale looks. Um, and even the way that Penn looks when Penn's playing good offense, you know, I, 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 and, 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 and if they can get there, this is a team that could beat anybody. They've got the personnel, um, but they got to win faceoffs, you know, and, and we keep coming back to that. But I think that that's what, you know, really separates Maryland and Georgetown and Princeton and Yale, uh, you know, and Virginia, you know, these are teams that consistently are successful at the X and you're giving these teams, you know, an advantage in possessions and they have unbelievable talent and balance on the offensive end and they're connected, you know, they're going to beat anybody if they have enough possessions that way. No doubt. Teams that don't have premier face-off guys, it's hard to envision any of them making it past the quarterfinals. No doubt. So with, with um, Notre Dame, they made some switches. And one of the things they did last week against Syracuse is they put Jake Taylor in, the Colorado kid from Regis Chesapeake. Yeah. Uh, kid was committed to Denver, and he ended up decommitting, going to Notre Dame, tore his ACL, and really hadn't gotten a shot. But I, I do remember this kid in high school as just being an unbelievable hands and shooter. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and so he, he did it again last week. I mean, he's only played a couple of games now. He's got like 12 and 2. Yeah, he, I think he was two and two this past weekend. And Clark had, had mentioned seeing him play in high school and how, you know, great his hands are. And, and one of the things that he was talking about, which is so dead on, is, you know, with an inside presence like that, it puts a lot of pressure on the perimeter defenders to support inside, regardless yeah. of their sliding scheme. You know, you, you just have to help inside from the perimeter of the help side. And when you do that, it allows their outside shooters, you know, another step or two to get closer. They can get a complete wind up. It puts pressure on the approaches that they have to, you know, uh, recover with. And that creates upgrades with front side hitches and hitch and switches and toe drags and split rolls and, you know, these guys are really disciplined shooters and, and, you know, you said it before when they, when they shoot well, it's a, they can beat anybody and, and Notre Dame absolutely can do it. I'm a little shocked by the success that this guy Lynch is having at the X for Notre Dame. That's his name, Lynch, right? Kevin Lynch. That's the kid from Huntington. Kevin Lynch. Oh, I thought they're for, I thought they had a freshman filled up. Maybe they do. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was Lynch. Maybe it's Michael Lynch. The brothers, it must be Huntington, New York. I don't know. Pretty sure that one of those Lynches is facing off and I'd never heard of him. They usually know exactly who the Fogos are at these top schools. And I, I hadn't heard of the kid. Um, you know, last year they obviously had Charlie Leonard and they had, uh, 
you know, Kyle Gallagher and, and they had, you know, too much depth there. And, and this year I was thinking, all right, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get mauled here. James Riley, I think beat them up pretty good. And I was thinking, all right, that's a weak part of Notre Dame, but it seems like they've shored that up and, and have been successful at the X the last, you know, few weeks. Let's talk a little bit about Georgetown since you brought up JR. He was like 19 for 19 uh, at one point in the Providence game. That was a, wasn't a great game for them, but it was kind of a take care of business game that went from, you know, four, two, five, two, six, two, and all of a sudden it was like 10, two or something like that. Um, those guys have Marquette this weekend, then Loyola, then St. John's Villanova. And then they've got then then it's the tournament. So uh, no yeah. huge updates. And Villanova at Villanova, that's a scary game for Georgetown. You yeah. know, with Georgetown having such a great season. Yeah. And you know, coming in, uh, you know, not too dissimilar to playing Lehigh at Lehigh. You know, playing Villanova at Villanova is a very similarly tough opponent. Uh, a dangerous opponent and and the pressure is all on Georgetown. It's not on Villanova. Um, you know, but this is a, this is as complete a team as there is in the country. We've talked about it. Did McElroy play against Providence? He did not. So that's the third game in a row. He's missed Lehigh Denver Providence. He did. Yeah. Did he play against Utah? Yes. Okay. So he's missed three games in a row. Games. I think he's going to be back. back. He's going to be good to go. I think he'll be back next week. Um, He's definitely not out for the year, um, but um, but I think he's going to be back. But I'll tell you what, man, Sharpenberger is playing phenomenal, man. Like, yeah, playing I mean, great, he is. Like, making saves, ma- making some great saves. And, man, his outlets are phenomenal, too. Yeah. Um, so, really, really impressive. I mean, he gave up a couple soft ones in, in, against Lehigh out of the gate. And then since then, through the Denver game and this game, he's been more than solid. He's been He's been very good. Bundy put up six. Dylan Watson had a little bit of a quiet day. Trippy's playing great. Trippy is playing great. It's great to see Trippy playing great too. I know that he obviously was a, a four-year player at Carolina. Um, you know, it seemed like he was always kind of trying to find his role within the offense at Carolina, whether it was, you know, as an attackman or whether it was a midfield, but he was playing, you know, behind Cookie and and those guys in the midfield. But he's obviously found a role at Georgetown and is playing really, really well. You know, I mean, he is, he, he seems like he's, uh, you know, a handful for anybody as a Dodger and he can go, Oh, and three, just as easily as he can go three and O depending upon, you know, how you choose to defend Georgetown. But this kid has changed their team on the offensive end in a very favorable way in that he's instant offense versus short stick off the dodge. He is. And he's averaging, you know, two goals and 1.5 assists a game. I mean, that's a, it's a hell of a line right there for a midi. That's sick speed math. It's what? Sick speed math. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Lehigh. Lehigh with a big win over uh, Bucknell. Did you watch that one? Cassidy? I watched it. Yep. I watched that game as a lead in to the Masters yesterday. And I was so impressed with Bucknell. You know, I really wanted to see Bucknell win. RD, uh, you know, runs the offense for Bucknell. And they they played them well. 
what they just kind of sort of choked on extra man down the stretch. Is that what happened? Uh, you know, I don't know what the final numbers were. I know that Cravato was, was battling Sisselberger. I think statistically Sisselberger ended up winning about 75%, um, you know, which is obviously incredible, but, but Cravato did a good job of, of making them earn a lot of those, particularly in the first half. Bucknell showed offensively they're scary. Um, but so is Lehigh, and, and both teams look very well coached to me. Um, you know Lehigh is very happy to get past this Bucknell team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a scary game for them. And the sad part for Bucknell is they're 7-4, and four, and they've had you know a really close loss to Lehigh. They had a really close loss to, to Army. They played Loyola tough. We're up in that game. You know, it just they just couldn't quite get over this hump. You know, and this is a team if they can find a way to get into the Patriot League tournament, and I think they will beat Holy Cross and Lafayette, and I think they'll beat Navy. You know, does that do it for them? Do they get in at four and four? And I think they probably do. So six teams go to the Patriot League tournament, right? Yeah. So if it ended right now, I believe what would happen is Army would play Bucknell at Army. Navy would play Loyola at Loyola. And then the winner of those respective games would get BU and, and Lehigh. I, I do think that, um, you know, the dark horse for me is always Loyola in this, in this league. As good as these other teams are, I just feel like Loyola, uh, you know, they, they find a way to make the changes they need to make just in time to hit their peak in the second half of April and May. And that's when you want to hit your peak. The, um, the Lehigh, the, the Hobart loss that Lehigh had kind of kept them out. I mean, they, they could be like ranked 10th or 12th in the country right now. I think even higher with that, but they're only yeah. two losses Georgetown in that situation well. being Cornell and Georgetown. I mean, Georgetown's two and Cornell's, you know, five, I think uh, there's no question. I mean, Lehigh would be top 10 without a doubt. Yeah. But that Hobart loss, and Hobart's had a tough year. I mean, they're, they're not even going to make the NEC, I don't think. I, I think they're on the outside looking in for that tournament. And that loss is really an aberration. I wonder if Hobart's had some injuries because this Hobart team was, was – I saw them obviously play as last year against Syracuse. But they looked good. They got some great offensive players. You know, Raymond's a great coach. Have they, they have injuries. Is that – you know, I, I can't figure out some of the losses that they've had. You know, you look at – you know, that losing streak five games in a row. Now, losing Cornell is not, you know, anything to be ashamed about. Um, they almost beat Syracuse, but that lost Sacred Heart and then to Bryant. And I know St. Joe's is a very good team this year, but, you know, a couple of bad losses, uh, you know, too bad, too bad for them because I think if, if uh, you know, I, I just think they're a tough team to play, to play against. Um, and in, in a team that people look past and they pay for it, which I think Lehigh did, but, but they've struggled since then. Hobart has. All right, AT, it's time for the Oxia time national player of the week. What wow. do you got? Um, wow. You know, I think, uh, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to have to give it to, uh, ironically, John Canaris is a goalie at Penn. I think I'm going to give my Oxia Time National Player of the Week 
to Terrio, uh, the Brown goaltender who came up huge in that game and uh, gave a shot of adrenaline to a Brown team that needed it really in a sort of a desperation game. They were able to hold a really good pen offense down. He played a great game. Um, and I got to give it, I got to give it to him. All right. I'm going with, yeah, it was kind of a tough week because it wasn't that obvious of a, uh, of a selection, but with this kid, Chris Lyons putting up six against, against BU and then two more uh, against Dartmouth, eight goal week um, in a, in a huge, a huge week for the Yale Bulldogs. I'm giving it to freshman Chris Lyons. Yeah, I thought about giving it to Leo Johnson. Um, he had an unbelievable week statistically as well. Uh, this team, you know, for, for a team that, you know, I just, I, I, you know, as, as a guy that went to Brown, I just can't stand seeing Yale win, but I, it's like, I, I like Andy Shea and I like a lot of the players that, that Yale has, um, they're a good team, man. They are really, they are just a really good team is what they are and, and getting better. You know, they're, they're starting to really feel it. It's crazy with Lions, though. I'm just looking at his stats right here. He didn't even play a game before the Cornell game. That's, you know. And he, so 3-0, 3-0, 3-1, 6-2, 2-1. Two I mean, as a midfielder? Yeah. Those are, those are first-team All-American midfield numbers. And he's shooting 43%, 50%, 38-43. He didn't shoot so well against Dartmouth. We look at the turnovers. 1-1, one, one, none, none, two. Yet he's got that kind of goal production. And that is just really impressive. It's unheard of. Yeah. Very rare. Very, um, very All right. So um, let's turn our attention to the week. Oh, first of all, we got a game today. Yeah. No, Syracuse. Where's that game at? The game, I think, is at Cornell. No, it's at Syracuse up in the dome. Yeah. Uh, you know, which Syracuse team are we going to get? You know, are we going to get the team that beat Duke or are we going to get the team that lost to Albany? Uh, you know, I, I think Cornell coming back and getting that win over Harvard at home and cementing themselves as a top five team. You know, this is a team that I think if, again, Petrakis and Falp, great matchup at the X. If Petrakis wins faceoffs, Cornell is going to roll them. I think the only way that Syracuse has a shot here is that Falp really needs to win the face. Like you can't go 50, 50, otherwise Cornell is going to win. You know, Falp needs to go out and win 75, 80% for them to beat Cornell. And I just don't, I just don't think that they're, I don't think they have enough balance on offense to, to beat Cornell. Cornell's got a great goalie. They got a great defense. They play hard. They got, it's going to be interesting if they put Adler, on Dordovic, yeah, I, I think that Adler wins that matchup, to be honest with you. Um, as good as Dordovic is, he seems like he's kind of, you know, the lone wolf offensively for that. You know, Curry, it looked like he hurt his shoulder in the Albany game. And, you know, you, you kind of expected more offensive output from him. Dordovic has been really the only one. And, and, and he got shut down against Albany. But he's been, he's been very good. 
you know, pretty much all season long. I'm going to be interested in watching that matchup of Adler and Dornovic. I mean, it's crazy looking at the Syracuse scores because, and you know, and I, I get it. Like they may not have great balance, but you know, Dornovic's got 36 and 11. Curry's got 23 and 10. Seabold's got 22 and five. Um, this guy Berkman's got 13 and nine. I mean, it's not like they don't have any players that are scoring goals. No, they're scoring up, goals. I mean, pull up, Brendan Curry, pull up Brendan Curry's stat line on a per game basis, the way that you did with, uh, yeah. So he's okay. So he's had five against Hobart, four against Army, four against Holy Cross. But in you know the big games, Maryland zero and one, Virginia one and two, Hopkins one and zero. You know, Duke two and one, Notre Dame one and oh, you know, I, I guess he has had a pretty good year, you know, as a midfielder, those are really good stats as a midfielder. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I think that we all thought of him as a, a first team, all American preseason midfielder, but I, you know, you can't say this guy's going to be a, you know, a teamer this year. I, he just, he just hasn't yeah. played at that level. I don't think. Is it, uh, you know, defensively, it looks like it's a big part of the problem at Syracuse. They're just yeah, I, I, well, they're I, don't just the goal, I, I don't think the goalies have been great. Yeah. You know, um, it just it just seems like you score a few goals on Syracuse and then the floodgates open up. You know, and, and instead of them locking it down, it seems like it's the other way. Um, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering the Notre Dame game too much, but that was a real scarring outcome for, for Syracuse. Well, and they gave up 14 goals to Albany who's struggled to score. They have after, you know, holding the only, they, they, they got hammered by UMBC this weekend and UMBC struggles to score. So I don't know. I know. It's a weird year. Um, all right. So, um, but we've got, uh, we've got some other good games this week. So why don't we take a quick look at that? Um, so Thursday night game, yeah. Duke and Virginia. It's a pretty big one right there. Yeah, it's a huge game. And, and and like this wouldn't be this wouldn't surprise me if, if Duke wins this game. You know, yeah. like you're going into the game and you're like, all right, you know, Virginia's had a had a, a really good year. Now they have an injury or two, and 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 Duke has had a poor year for Duke. Yeah. Um, but this like wouldn't surprise me at all to see Duke find a way to win the game. And now Duke is definitely in the tournament, and Virginia certainly is already in the tournament. You know, uh, obviously these teams are going to get up for each other, but this is a game where I can see Duke winning this game. Yeah, and this is also a game where, um, you know, if Duke wins this game, then all of a sudden, you know, Penn's fortunes are, uh, are, are right. drastically improved. Right. And then on the weekend, we got Loyola and BU is a huge one. Yep. Delaware Towson, good CAA battle right there. Towson's really been coming on too. They have. They had a huge win. I mean, I, I was I was surprised. They beat UMass. Yeah, they beat UMass, and UMass had won I think four games in a row or five games in a row, something like that. Was playing really well. Yeah. And Towson came back and and won that game. I'm not so sure that Towson isn't the team to beat the CAA. If I had to guess, though, it would be Towson and UMass. Um, but Delaware, after the first few weeks, you thought, wow, this Delaware team is scary. And they, they uh, come back to loss for them this past weekend. Um, yeah, Georgetown hosts Marquette. I think St. Joe's LIU is a big game in that league. Yep. At home. First time. 
Uh, how about uh, Michigan Rutgers? I mean, is Michigan going to get going to get a big win? Have they had a big win? Has Michigan beaten anybody yet? I don't think they have. Right? No, I mean, they kind of no, had this good they, start, but they beat Delaware. You know? Yeah, they did. And 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 at the time, I think Delaware was coming to the game undefeated or or with one loss, something like that. That was a that was a big game at the time, three four weeks ago. But Michigan found a way to lose to Hopkins at a Hopkins. They found a way to, to choke against Penn State on Friday night. You know, I think that it's just they got to be so disappointed with the, the last three weeks because they got off to such a great start. And we said, you know, they got to get some wins over some, some proven teams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is their opportunity right here with Rutgers coming off a tough loss, getting spanked by Maryland. This is an opportunity for Michigan to get a huge win that they need. They do. You know, they 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 got to do it, um, or they're dead. Well, right now they're they're zero and three in the conference. And Who do they have left? They have Rutgers and Ohio State left. So they can finish two and three in the league. Two and two and three. That might get them in. But do six teams make it or do four teams? I can't remember. It used to be four. Four teams. Four teams. Four teams. So they're on the verge of not making this tournament again. I know. That's a uh, it's a tough conference, though. Um, all right. So, um, and then we got Brown-Yale. Huge. Yeah. What a matchup that is, man. It is. I think that Yale is going to be a really tough out for Brown. I, except, I uh, except your boy Terrio, though. I mean, he can make the difference. That guy, he, I, I, he came out this past summer. He came down to Matunic and played goalie for us when we had a bunch of uh, bunch of kids playing lacrosse down there. Great kid, and man, he's such a hard goalie to score on. He was then, he is now, and if he is, what on makes that, him so hard to score on? You know, he has unbelievable hands, and he's a big kid. I mean, yeah, he doesn't yeah. move a ton, but his hands are insane. He just gets his literally just gets his stick on everything. Um, he kind of baits you a little bit back to, you know, he has a good sense for how to sort of bait you back to the near side. Sometimes when you're on, when you're on your righty side, yeah. um, and just, he's just one of those goalies that just like, he's a big kid and his hands are so good. He just gets a stick on everything. Just, did you get any color on Darian cook? Is he going to be all right? Or did he hurt his knee? It looked, it didn't I, look I don't know, good. man. I didn't, I haven't heard detail on that, but I was going to mention that before. I'm really bummed. That kid is a great kid and he yeah. is an excellent man. One of the most underrated players in the country. I mean, that kid is so freaking smooth and so athletic and kind of can do it all. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he, he has been great for them. I'll tell you the most underrated kid is the kid McLean, you know, Jason McLean's kid who plays at Brown. He's just been unbelievable the whole season. Penn Harvard, what do you think about that one? Think you, you already said that, right? You think Penn will take care of business? I, I think that Harvard takes care of business. It's at home. They have to win, you know, and Harvard getting beaten up at Cornell, Penn beating Cornell. You know, I think Penn's going to go into the game very, very confident, but in the moment because of, you know, the impact of a loss pretty much ends their season, in my opinion. Um, and so I think, I think Penn's going to bounce back, and I think Penn will beat Harvard. But Harvard could win the game. They could. I just don't think they will. My cousin, Joe Dowling, opened his account this past week against Cornell. So it's fired up for him. First goal. First yep. good goal. Hopefully he gets – he came off an injury, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to help him out a little bit. Uh, Maryland, Ohio State. Now, you know, you, I, you can't put it past Ohio State to be able to get a, to get a win like that. No. I, I, Ohio State could win the game. I mean, Inacio 
could go out there and he could dominate the X. And Ohio State is, they're proven on the offensive end. And it's a scary team. And this is one of those games that Maryland really has to be worried about. And I think the, the main concern is if, if they don't have the advantage of possessions at the X and they play against a scary offensive team, they could lose. That Anybody can lose in that situation. Yep. And Ohio State checks those respective boxes. What if Syracuse beats Cornell and beats Carolina? Uh, well, what is their record right now? They're five and five? Yeah, they're five and five. Okay. Four so they're four and six? Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, look, if Cornell, if, if Syracuse finds a way to win three of their last four games. They could be in the mix. And they finish seven and seven with wins over Cornell, Carolina, we'll say Notre Dame. You know, and then you got a win over Duke. I mean, yeah, I think that they're they're right there. I mean, they're right there. <laughs> what a mess! This, this whole this whole season is kind of a mess. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's really hard to to do a top twenty. Actually, it is. You know, it's it's A beats B, B beats C, and C beats A in a lot of these conferences. And you just gotta you just gotta patiently wait for the regular season to play out. I, I have a feeling that these conference tournaments are going to come down to the very last weekend in a lot of these leagues. All right, AT. Well, I loved, uh, I loved our session here. Love talking lax with you. Appreciate you coming on. 100%. And um, have an awesome week. Hope uh, you have an awesome week. kills it. And uh, hope your week is yet again above average. You're a difference maker. Talk to you later. <laughs> later.